Hello and welcome to another episode of your favorite new podcast, Hot Mess. Oh, Christ. Okay, yeah. Hello and welcome to another episode of your favorite new podcast, Alec Mappa Hot Mess with Matthew Dempsey, psychotherapist. I did it. I said the whole title. I never <laughs> get it, it like coming out of the gate. Hi, I'm Alec Mappa. I'm an actor and comedian. I live in Hollywood. And I'm Matthew Dempsey. I'm a psychotherapist and multicultural counselor. You are. I miss I you. I miss you too. It's been a few weeks since I we've been able to do this. Well, I, I'm giving you a virtual hug. Uh, I'm accepting it. You're, you've been through a lot lately. You, yeah, I kind of have yeah, a little bit. Yeah, so let, let people know, because I just found out about three seconds ago. <laughs> okay, well, first of all, let me say, I got another sty. So this is my third in two months. So if What that are you goes... putting in your eye? I'm suspicious now. Listen, I'm, it's twi- I, And I'm going to the worst possible place. <laughs> I think it's actually just the toxicity of 2020. So hopefully uh, 2021 will You gotta will shut your better. eyes when that happens, because <laughs> that stuff could take the pain off of cars. I keep looking at a lot of evil. Uh, so anyway, so aside from that, I also contracted COVID. Mm. Yeah. So I, uh, I did not, I made the decision to not go home, to not see my family, to play yes. it safe, as safe as I thought I was going to. I was with a few friends over Christmas, you know, friends that are in my pod. So uh-huh. thought I was safe there too. Um, and they had all t- tested negative, you told me. Yeah, everybody tested negative, and it turned out that it was uh, one of my friends had gotten it from his boyfriend, who he had tested negative. My friend tested negative, so it just uh, it just goes to show you. And what's interesting too is that um, I, you know I was mentioning earlier that the, my other couple of friends who was there with us, mm-hmm. me and my one friend got symptoms pretty quickly right after our trip. But my two other friends who are in this house with us for four days, they didn't have any symptoms. They also tested negative after our trip a few times. Didn't have any symptoms for about nine or 10 days and then started having symptoms and then tested negative. So if that just goes to show anybody, anything, do not trust these negative results. We, well, I heard, I heard, we talked about this before the program that um, it is a snapshot of where you are in terms of uh, uh, the, the virus. It, it yeah. could, you could test. It's like at that moment, no, you don't have a viral load big enough that to detect. Exactly. Exactly. And it could uh, go up or down. Um, I was on a set um, I'm hosting the Gay Vienna Awards again this year, uh, okay. which is uh, the Gay Porn Awards. <laughs> so I was on a I was on a porn set in uh, <laughs> in the Valley. Yeah. Uh, everything's filmed in the Valley, and it was the strictest set I've ever been on. Yeah, I was going to ask how safe and it was. There was a COVID compliance officer who said, and she was talking through her mask, and she was an EMT. She goes, yeah. "If I, if you laugh." Your the spittle can travel this far. If you sneeze, it wow. can travel this far. I had a mask on until they yelled action. Yeah, you take it off when they yelled cut. They put it back on, and I said this was the strictest COVID set I've ever been on. And they said, well, yeah, yeah because you know we've been working all year long. Mm-hmm. I said you've still been filming adult films. He goes, yeah, because even in a pandemic, people still want to tug on their dongs. <laughs> <laughs> Probably more than ever, if you think about it. <laughs> Probably we more than ever. About, um, uh, 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 the uh, pandemic stress triggers. Yes, yes. Like, we're going to be talking about a lot of triggers um, that are happening during the pandemic. And if you think about it, I mean, I'm talking about where we're both talking about COVID. And obviously, I just had it. Yeah. Um, and so even, even on the most basic kind of physical level, there are so many of us who are far more vulnerable than ever. That also wildly impacts our emotional experience in life, too. So things that much more, uh, you know, easily gets triggered for us. Yeah, except you. Matthew. What do you mean except me? Are you because kidding me? I've we been have a- to add this to another list of the things that have not destroyed you. This is a man who's been hit by a car <laughs> and just got up and walked away. And Wait, can like I tell? Bumped, like he flew up in the air, landed back, and now you had COVID. You had a couple oh, symptoms yes. and you're perfectly fine. Okay, well, let me clar- clarify a few things. One, yes, my symptoms were mild. I'm incredibly gr- grateful for that. Uh-huh. Another thing that I'm grateful for in part is that it happened during a time when I had taken one week off from seeing clients oh, yeah. between Christmas and New Year. So I'm glad it didn't interfere with work. But what's interesting too, is also this was actually only the second full week 
that I took off of work of all of last year. And I'm not, and I'm not wearing that as a badge of honor. There's just been a lot of things that have been happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But so I was looking forward to actually just relaxing. I got another sty. I got COVID. And I also kind of almost got canceled by the gay internet. <laughs> oh, you got canceled? You almost got canceled. By well, I don't know. I don't know if I would call it canceling, but I certainly, uh, you know, kind of raised the ire of uh, gay social media. That's for sure. All right. Let's preface this by saying over the over the because um, I don't know where this is going to air. This could air in July for all we know. But this year, <laughs> in 2021, on New Year's Eve, there were a lot of gays posting pictures yes. of themselves on vacation, part of Iarna at circuit parties. And yes. circuit parties are these big parties where um, you're all in your underwear and you're dancing around and you're really close. to It's a super spreader event. Yes, for sure. Basically, yes. So it's a super spreader event. There was a ton of people who were going against all the, you know, um, mm -hmm. suggestions of the health professionals. Yes. During, during the time when the pandemic was really kind of at a, at a fever pitch, quite literally. Uh -huh. And so, um, and so quite understandably, a lot of people, and especially when we're looking at a lot of gay circuit parties, a lot of, you know, kind of our queer community was really fucking pissed off because there were so many uh -huh. of us who were following all the guidelines. Who I was one of them. I was one of them too. I didn't see my family. I'd spend New Year's mm -hmm. alone, all of this shit. Right. So there's a lot of us who are incredibly, incredibly pissed off and upset about it. And what, what wound up happening was I could start to see the fury that was mounting about it. And oh. I fully understood where that fury was coming from. And uh -huh. so I attempted to try to offer a message where I could say, all of this makes sense. And I feel this too. And also I wonder if there might be a slight kind of broadening of approach to how we handle this because what was what I saw happening was a lot of people were not just being called out and, and kind of just put on you know an understandable blast right but people's personal information were being shared oh, there was there was there was a lot of people who were trying to get them you know fired from their jobs so it was a lot of that kind of stuff okay. and so I attempted to try and offer some perspective of how some of that could not only be ineffective in terms of actually motivating the change that we want to see, uh -huh, uh -huh. but there's also this boomerang effect that happens that when we start using canceling or shaming as some attempt at things, not only is it an ineffective strategy to motivate change when we start digging our heels in deep with shame and canceling, that part of it, by the way, that's the, that's the, the, the littlest part of what I was hearing that I was trying to speak to. That it's ineffective at motivating change to, or to the kind of change, change that we by want. Shaming people. Yes. Shaming people is it, not a good strategy. Well, it's just ineffective. It's this isn't even a moral issue of good or bad, right? I'm not wagging my finger saying, hey, don't do that. That's not nice. I'm saying it's just ineffective to motivate the change that you're wanting to see. You want people to be more adherent to public health, you know, guidelines. This isn't going to be it. Not only is it not going to be it, but even more importantly, anytime that we use canceling or shaming as some strategy at all, it has a boomerang effect. So and what so I'm hearing is that and you were and you were talking about canceling and shaming. Yes. Got you canceled and shamed. A little bit. <laughs> people, people went on the attack and no joke. I'm talking about even people that I know personally came for the attack on me publicly too. And they were calling my message trash and, and all of that. I, I, I think that what they thought, what, how they heard it. Yeah. Go ahead. Tell how me. They may have heard it. Yes. Cause I don't think that's what you were doing, but how they may have heard it was you were invalidating their anger. Yes, that you were sure. invalidating the kind of the, the, the impulse to shame somebody because there were there were some shitty people. There was a nurse who uh, who uh, there was somebody who lied and said yes. they were a nurse and got the yes. vaccination. There were actually health professionals at that party. A hundred percent. Everything. And you're totally yeah. right. And I think that maybe there was probably either a better way or a better time for me to try and communicate what I was communicating. Um, but first, but I can absolutely understand how people were feeling. You triggered so pandemic stress. I, well, yes, I, I triggered more stress for other people unintentionally. Yes. And then, uh, and then me getting canceled or, or attacked. <laughs> I don't know what you want to call it. I'll be honest with you. Like, okay, now sty COVID. And by the way, I sent this message out in a video message too, when I was literally actively feeling symptoms of COVID. So I'm just like, oh my God, I was, I'm not kidding oh, you. Baby. I was really, I was really triggered. I had my own trigger. Hi. Yeah. I feel terrible. I'm going to text you so much porn. <laughs> you How is that any different than any other time? Does, do you enjoy that or is that, does it feel like an assault? 
No, are you kidding me? I love it. I okay. love it. Yeah. The lowest hanging of fruit with humor, please. <laughs> I can't think of a better way to bring on our guests. <laughs> porn, Me too. porn, gay porn, and stress triggering. We uh, have it is, and is a perfect segue. And I'll, and I'll, and honestly, I'm actually, I'm very excited to talk. I'm about so her. excited to have her yes. on the show. It's, I, I, this is a good, this is an exciting day. It is an exciting day. So she's an actress, she's mom, an author, an activist. You know her best from her role as the adorable Stephanie Tanner on Full House and Fuller House, of which I'm obsessed with both. <laughs> I grew up with Full House and I was obsessed with Fuller House when that rebooted. And she's currently hosting a podcast called Never Thought I'd Say This about parenting, which is reverent, fun, and full of real and helpful information. She is so much fun. I had the, the pleasure of working with her on a movie recently, and we were instantly the bad kids on the set. Just like, you know, that one camp friend who you just get into trouble with. And she's so much fun. Will you please welcome our special guest? And I text her a lot of gay porn as well. Will you please welcome Jody Sweeten? Yay! Yay! Hi! Oh my gosh, my light is go going up. Um, hi, you guys. Hi, hi Jody. I, 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 honestly, that's probably one of the best introductions that I've had, which is gay porn and Jody. So, I, I mean, a better transition has never been done. That's actually how I like to do my transitions on my podcast yeah. is awkwardly. Yes. Um, yes. Really. But yeah. that, you were like my filthy friend on the set. It was kind of like yes. you were my safe place. It was like, okay, I don't have to behave myself around you. I can be absolutely dreadful. And we just just giggled the whole time. We really did. It was so much fun. I was so incredibly grateful to have met you and, and have bonded with you. I was like, oh, my people. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, it, we had so much fun on set. And yeah, I tend to be the, um, the 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 dirty giggling friend that's constantly <laughs> getting people in trouble or being like okay stop stop I know right <laughs> yeah the minute yeah. I myself with somebody on set and I get an eye roll or one of these like okay I'm like okay mm. you're not a genius we're never gonna be friends right 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 yeah no if you yeah. can't pick up like what I'm not saying by just like an eye look <laughs> then yeah this is not gonna work because you know half of the shade that I talk is like. Uh huh. So we met on the set and you were talking about how because um, today's topic is uh, triggers during the pandemic. You were talking about how it had you had been so anxious you had stopped eating. Mm. Yeah, I you know, I really uh, um, and it's funny, of course, because, you know, as I've posted pictures after I've you know lost all this weight from stress, people are like, oh, you look great. And I'm like, yeah, it didn't come about in a, you know, super healthy way. Uh -huh. Um, but my, I'm not a stress eater. I'm a stress starver. Wow. So when there's anxiety or stress going on or, you know, the chaos or whatever, um, I, I'm like completely lose my appetite. And it's like, I have no, I'm so out of touch with what my own body needs because I'm just in this hyper state of anxiety and alert. Yeah. Um, and so, and I also, you know, uh, I, when I had, when the pandemic started and when all this started, like, you know, I was looking to maybe lose like 10 pounds. I had, I had gained some weight and I wasn't like at my best. I had quit working out like I was and whatever. So, you know, I kind of wanted to lose a little weight, but when the pandemic start, it, I, that was not like a thought at all, mm -hmm. but it suddenly became a focus. It became, you know, as I was like losing weight, I was like, oh my gosh. And I realized how much my mind started really focusing on food and this and that. And I really had to stop and break it down, you know, with, in terms of, of sobriety and, and, you know, sort of mm -hmm. principles of 12 steps of like, what am I not feeling in control over? And I was like, nothing. Mm -hmm. I felt in control of nothing. Oh, okay. So it was like the one thing, you know, and I had to really look at that. And, and then I, I, it caused me to go back and look at that in different periods of my life yeah. and realize that I had had food issues. I always was like, nah, that food was never yeah. my thing. But I realized it was like these little intermittent bouts of food control and stress control. When when you were talking about how you were focusing on food, can you describe what is, what specifically was going on? Like how you were focusing on it? 
Well, the for one thing, the biggest thing that happened was I was completely nauseous at the sight of food, mm. the smell mm. of food, pictures of food mm. made me sick. And I was getting sick a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I just couldn't, I, I couldn't hardly keep anything down. I didn't want food. It was disgusting. Mm-hmm. So it was like this really weird flip in my mind where suddenly my mind viewed food almost as the enemy. Yeah as this thing that was disgusting and we didn't want and it, you know. And so as that happened, you know, it just became the thing I thought about. I either thought about needing to eat mm-hmm. or I thought about not eating and that I would just feel better if I didn't eat because food made me nauseous anyway. Yeah. You know, so like it was like this really weird cycle of it. Yeah. The yeah, word like I obs- heard obsessive was, thinking. The word yeah, that absolutely. popped out to me was control. Um, Mm -hmm. I never really understood food uh, addictions or food obsessiveness Mm -hmm. until I did. Remember, like, more than 10 years ago, we were all doing the cleanse. We were all doing that Mm -hmm. cayenne pepper and lemon. Right. Yeah. Oh, the master cleanse. The master cleanse. So I did the master cleanse. I did it for 10 days. And then this thing you're supposed to taper off. I did it for an additional five days. And I was drunk with the power of not needing food. (laughs) Food. I felt so powerful and so in control. It was like mastery, like thriving without food. And I was so afraid of losing that. Yes. Yes. You know, I was so afraid of not, the thing is about, it's the control. It's like, you know, everything else is a nightmare. Um, Everything else, but this one thing. This one thing. I am all powerful. I am am the control. Like if I don't, eat it. It's not, that's it. Like I, you know, and I just started realizing, like I had a really weird relationship with food that I don't normally have all the time. You you know, my favorite food is cheeseburger and fries. Like I eat pretty well. I, I can exercise. I'm fine. I have a great, I'm very lucky to have a good metabolism, but all of a sudden it was like, well, I haven't eaten in this long. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should just have a, you know, like a, a press juice. Or I haven't eaten this, you know, and I started realizing I was like, oh, but at the same time, I was also reaching out to uh, um, my nutritionist, who's also a really dear friend of mine, mm-hmm. named Melanie Samuels, and um, talking to her. And so we were setting goals. We so were you're not cognizant of it. This isn't happening. Very, very. Uh, yeah, I was. I was very cognizant of it. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, I think we all know that doesn't necessarily mean just because I am aware of it, that it's changing it yeah yeah but i was i i have luckily done enough recovery and therapy and you know all of this stuff to go wait 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 this isn't this is becoming something other than just being stressed it's something you know it's yeah Matthew, do you think this is a form of OCD? Because it's sounding like OCD Uh, to me, the kind of like checking of everything. Listen, the one thing I'll say is I think that it gets problematic when we start labeling things. I know, he hates labels. Well, because so many labels have so many different, you know, crossover. It's meant meant to be just kind of like a little bit of a structural guidepost for clinicians Mm -hmm. to use. And then it becomes bastardized by a lot of people. And we cling to these labels in a way that's actually not helpful Yeah, and everyone hates the DSM for it. Yeah, and everybody thinks that (laughs) Exactly. And everybody thinks that if there's labels, then you're crazy and you're not okay. So then people avoid even taking a look at the very things that we all can identify with. I think we can all identify to some extent, you know, to some extent what you're talking about of kind of control and especially food as a way of controlling. But my question for you is, um, at what point, like how long did it take before you started drawing that parallel between your, the kind of, you know, obsessive thinking and the controlled Mm -hmm. eating to other addictive behaviors for you? I mean, it didn't like that. It didn't necessarily trigger any of that. It was, you know, like that for me, having been been in recovery for a long time, is, like, is not as like I don't have that thought of like, oh my god, I need a drink. Like that's just right. Not you know. So I was very fortunate that it didn't trigger some of those other things for me. Mm. Um, but I was that you know, in a way, I've been kind of grateful for it because it's you know been yet another layer of that onion. Yeah. That we dissect and and pull apart and look at. Um, but what? But at what know. point did you start to realize that the way in which your you know kind of your relationship oh, to food turned into my relationship? Thing? I mean, I would say pretty soon into it. I mean, after you know a few weeks. Well. And there was also a thing that happened where I, uh, I actually had to go to the hospital. Um, I, during this time of the pandemic, also, I became very involved in my activism work. And uh, a lot of 
the activism that I do is out at protests in the streets has been organizing people and really being out on the front lines. Obviously that was, you know, um, during the time the pandemic still existed, but it was not quite as bad here and safety measures were made you feel more secure. Mm -hmm. Um, but I had gone out protesting, I think like three days in a row, I think my March count was like 21 miles or something Ugh. in three days. Wow. And I hadn't been, you know, I had no appetite. I wasn't eating. And I was also out amongst some pretty crazy, stressful situations, yes. mm. you know, so that didn't, that layered upon it didn't help. Um, and it was in the summer, it was like June and it was, you know, we were out there marching in like 98 to 105 degree heat. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I got completely dehydrated and exhausted and I could not keep water down. I couldn't wow. do anything. And luckily this was at a time when the emergency rooms weren't so full that. Right. They yeah. yeah. In. Uh, and I went in and they, you know, they like pressure bagged two bags of fluids into me. And uh, I mean, I hadn't, you know, not to be oversharing, but like I hadn't peed in like mm. 18 hours and still after they injected me with all of that liquid i was they were like do you need to use the restroom i was like no there's wow. no such thing oversharing on this show <laughs> okay good because i overshare all the time and i because i yeah just never um but i you know I, like they said my my kidney function was starting to fail like it was you know i just had gotten to the point where i i was not taking care of myself and and uh. that happened pretty early on um, you know, and I also have a tendency when I throw myself into something, you know, with particularly the activism, like I, it's just all I, all I do. Yeah. Um, I really hyper-focused on it and was out a lot. And, uh, you know, it was at that moment that I was like, okay, this is now affecting my ability to be a mom and to, uh-huh. you know, sh- show up for people and be, you know, and my depression was awful too. At the same time, you know, I would, I mean, it, it was a real, it was probably one of the hardest times I've had mental health wise yeah. in several years. Right. Yeah. But I was able to, I, I have such an amazing group of friends that I can be real with that showed up at my house and were yeah. like, here's what you're going to do. Mm. We're going to take you, you know, they, they took me to the emergency room or they were like, okay, this is what's on the schedule today. Like, I'm going to come over. I'm making you a smoothie. I'm going to, you know, and really didn't harass me or shame me into yeah. it. They, you know, it was all my girlfriends that are in recovery have had experience with, with this kind of stuff. Oh, I was about to and ask. They, okay. That's yeah. Cool. And they really, um, you know, and it just felt safe. Yeah. You know, and and it's and I what I realized is is this is you know yet another bastion of my uh, you know addictive behavior and like it's I have that thing I like to do something that makes me feel in control. Yes, yeah. I so. mean, like I was about to say, Matt, it, it, it's the powerlessness of the pandemic. Absolutely. Yes. I think that it made us all. That's the trigger. Yeah. Is when we feel For powerless. Sure. You know, and, yes. and you were talking earlier about like, um, you know, we also weren't working and you're somebody who works quite a bit and I'm somebody who works quite a bit and and to not work. And, and when you're an artist and you over identify with what you do and that's not happening, that also adds to the powerlessness and the depression. Oh, yeah. Yep. And I have, you know, that internalized, you know, BS thinking of the capitalistic if you're not working you're useless sort of yeah, thing sure. and it, i had to get still yeah and i don't like to be still i like to be working you know and i we had finished fuller house in uh november of 2019 thank god thank god we got to finish it the way we wanted and celebrate and all be together and you know um but the plan was i was taking off sort of January and then, and February. And then I was going to start up again. I, you know, went out of town for my birthday. I was like, okay, great. This is going to be an awesome year. I had all these things lined up to, you know, direct more episodes and, you know, have more meetings and pitch some shows and do all this stuff. And all of a sudden come March, it was uh-huh. like, oh yeah, that's yeah. not happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just, you know, that layered on top of my own, stress. I have two kids, two daughters who were, you know, 12 and 10. They were 11 and nine. They both had quarantine birthdays. Um, They were miserable. Homeschooling started and I was here, but my boyfriend hadn't moved back from New York yet. He moved back in June, which has also been a huge help to just have another presence in the house. Uh Yeah. 
Um, but it was me and the girls and, you know, a preteen, two preteen girls is not easy anyway. No, I love them. They're smart. They're wonderful, but they're, it's a lot some days, you know, and, um, Preteen boys so, are no uh, day at the beach either. I mean. Yeah, no, but I mean, preteens in general, is, like uh, they're, it's nightmare. just all, and, and the hard part is, it's like my heart's breaking for them. So I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my God, I remember this. But you don't think I remember this and you think I don't know anything. Right, so, right. Yeah. You know, and, and so it was tense. We were screaming at each other. You know, yeah. I've talked about this on, on my podcast on Never Thought I'd Say This, how ashamed I was at yeah. the thought that like I couldn't, get it together for my kids. I, uh-huh. that, that, that I couldn't make this better. Yeah. Uh-huh. And th- you know, that powerlessness of my own life, but also of watching the disappointment of my kids who had been looking forward to their school camping trips Yeah, and looking forward to girl scout meeting yep. activities and traveling with their girl scout troop and, you know, and birthdays and That's another not layer seeing of my parents and like just all of it layered and layered and layered and layered. And it just felt completely insurmountable. Yeah. And it all, I felt like this is, I can't do any of this. And I really shut down for a while, but what got me back along with having my boyfriend here who is an amazing partner and also um, works in mental health. Um, not that he's my therapist, but he, I think it makes him much more understanding yeah, of sure. my uh, anxiety and depression issues. And, um, you know, I think what really helped me was being able to remind myself that I'm, I'm always powerless. This is yes. always that, you know, I, oh, when I'm yes. feeling, when I'm feeling great and feeling like everything's fine, I'm still in the same amount of powerlessness over what's going on. It just happens to be that things are working in my direction. So I feel like I'm in control. Yes. And when I remembered that this is that I live in a state of powerlessness, that I am constantly in a state of powerlessness and that I have to remind myself that that comes, that feeling comes and goes. How many times have I felt this before that it was insurmountable, that things were, you know, it was right, awful. Yeah. Right. And I've gotten here. And I realize that we've all suffered in varying degrees. You know, I'm fortunate. I have still been able to pay my rent. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much longer, you know what I mean? But like, those are the realities. I know, but what I'm hearing is, is like by acknowledging that you're, you're, you're powerless, it's almost like you stop resisting it. Well, that's the thing, you know, in sobriety, we talk about all the time. We, you know, we cease to fight. uh, We cease fighting everything. We see, we just cease fighting. Yes. And, and when I remember that I drop myself back into that state of powerlessness that exists around me all the time, then it's not so scary and yep. it doesn't feel so foreign uh-huh. and new. It's just, I'm experiencing it differently. Yeah. How it's, how the, how, how the universe is affecting totally. what's happening differently in that moment. And so, you know, uh, that it's, that it's okay. Like that, it, this is just, this is just the waves that we're uh-huh. on. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and, and trying, and, you know, and, and I tell this to my kids all the time too. I go, look, we have to deal with what is, not what if. We we have to deal in the what is. I've never yeah. heard it put that way before. I, I think that's that's great. Yeah, you, because the you, what you if is to... always worse. Well, the what if is always worse, or yeah. the what if you know, or it's bad, or it's what if this never happened? Well, but it but it did. So <laughs> right. uh-huh. I mean, trust me, I have uh, you know a thousand things. If this didn't happen, I would have done all kinds yeah. of great. Yes. What if it's always it, about yeah. the past and the future? It's never about what's happening. It's right never now. about the present. It's never about what is yeah. right now. Yes. So I always, I try to remind myself and my kids of we deal with what is. Yeah. And if this is what is right now, how do we manage that? How do we get through it? Is Are we frustrated? Does that mean we're not frustrated and angry and pissed off and irritable and all? No, it doesn't take away any of that. Right. It just lets us get into the flow of like, yes. all right, this is the, this is the life journey this totally. is this is what we do you know yeah, yeah and and it sounds kind of like weird and spiritual and but whatever no it that's is. not wait that's, this is yeah. hold on yeah. no, no, no this isn't spiritual <laughs> i mean yes it is spiritual but it's not singularly spiritual i mean essentially right. what we're talking about are the are the the kind of guiding principles of mindfulness which is right that's what yeah. i practice is mindful, mindful. for yeah. sure 
I love it's this. By the way, Jody Sweeten coming through with a sermon up in here talking about <laughs> surrender. Surrender. Saying, well, I was listening to her and, and thinking about like addicts are always the best guests. Always the best <laughs> guests. Best yes. Christian Johnston took us to church because she talks, I love it. talks about yes. this so frankly. And it, it's about like because it, 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 we, we get to that place of mindfulness, but we have to almost pass through this valley that's so terrifying. And we have to, we have to, we have to face up to the the thing under the bed, the thing that scares you the most. Yes. And look it right. in the eye and and not avoid it. I mean, that's yes. why the show right. is called Hot Mess because it's like in order for us to be healthy, we have to move through the discomfort. Right. We have yes. to move right. through the awful places. Right. I even I posted that on my Facebook as uh, you know for the the new year, um, which just happened a couple of weeks ago. I had posted on my Facebook. I said, you know. This year, it's not, this isn't a magic reset button. There is never a magic reset no. button. Yeah. Um, it's just transition and it's change. Yes. And now we know, you know, I think we went into 2020 being like, this is going to be a great year, you know, it's super <laughs> fun on a Tuesday or whatever. The <laughs> yes, yes. And, you know, we were all planning. The year our, of perfect our, vision, our 2020. Yeah, Everything comes yeah. in great. clarity. This is our year. And, <laughs> and, and I have had to reframe it and keep going, well, maybe this is clarity. Yes. We actually yes. have gotten more. It clear. is yes. We have we have stripped away you know false pretense and we have done all this stuff as, as a country and that's uncomfortable. It's I have to remember when I'm you know go, doing an inventory or getting sober on my own. It's ugly and uncomfortable and messy in here. Yep. Uh huh. And we are watching that on a, a national level. I yep. think. Yeah. Um. You know. So I just I was very fortunate in that. So many of the triggers and, and, and I'm not going to say, you know, I, my kids and I still scream at each other. That's just what, what we do, yeah. you know, but we come back and we apologize or we go, you know what? I'm just really stressed with all this. Like, and I have learned how to try to give them a little more grace yeah. and, and them a little more patience yeah. and remind myself that just because they're not outwardly talking about all of the things that they're disappointed about doesn't mean that they're not feeling it every moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank God. Having that you know? having that level of understanding and compassion and empathy for everybody, right. regardless of how loud the noise gets from who, who, right. who's ever right. acting their drum or who's ever acting out or anything, being able to at least approach it in that way in direct proportion relates to how we treat ourselves too. So we benefit right. from having yeah. a compassionate outlook. Right. And I had to, re you know, and it was, again, I realized my control issues over their lives, you know, and I think we all, we do that as parents as and parents. I forget, I forget that my child, even though it's my child and my baby and my, is a completely different human being yeah. having a completely yes. different human experience. I will never know their thoughts, their desires, their dreams, their mm -hmm. heart. I just won't know what goes on in their mind. No matter what. And, and yep. my no matter what. Uh, my therapist said I had a session once where I was like talking about how how messy I've been lately and, and how, uh, you know, the yelling yeah. thing and everything. Oh, yeah. And, and my therapist said it is not our job to be Betty Crocker. It is not yeah. our job. Right to model as perfect people because yes. that's not real. It's our job to be authentic and to model right. authentic vulnerability to a model, emotional intelligence, emotional honesty. And the biggest difference between my my parents' generation and, and me as a parent, the one thing is different and makes a difference because I heard you say this is when I do mess up, when I'm not at my best, I do apologize. And yeah. I, I go right back and absolutely. I go, and it may, I'm, I see the look yeah. on my son's face. For and it's not weakness on yeah. my no. to do that, but I see no. on my son's face because what happens is when I apologize for fucking up in some way, right? Um, I see the relief on his face that he's been heard. Yeah. Yes. 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 That he oh and get it, this. Yep. Yeah, and that I am not above fucking up. Yeah. I am not just because I and I tell them my kids this all the time. I go, I'm doing the best I can. Mm -hmm. So please know when I lose my shit and I scream at you guys, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I am doing the best that I can. And I always go back and say that because I want them to know 
that it's okay to apologize. Like it's okay, it's okay to come right back and go, you know what? That was, I shouldn't have said yeah, that. Yes. I miss, I mean, I miss that. That was not cool. And that, that it's was, okay, yeah. and that it's okay to be imperfect. And this is kind of like yes. the theme of everything that we're talking about. And Jody, I fully agree with you. And I love that reframe too, about what 2020 is going into it. Like, this is going to be my year where we think everything's just going to fall into place and everything really kind of falls right. out of place. When in reality, it is an opportunity for us to surrender the kind of severe attachment to the need to be perfect. Yes. And so- Oh, and I have, that's a huge attachment. And letting that go, right? Because there's a big difference between excellence and perfection, right? We want to show well, you have, yeah, sorry. But, we, but there's also a margin of error for when we fuck up, being able to own it, being able to apologize, being able to understand it and correct it instead of shaming ourselves and beating ourselves up because then that only continues to spiral us down into shame and not motivate us to be able mm -hmm. to feel in ways that we need to. Jody, did you feel like as a kid, and being a performer and being somebody who was on like a hit show, what did that set you up mentally? Like I have to deliver. That's the expectation of me. I think, you know, I think probably in some ways, but I also think that was, that's just part of who I am. Like my, one of the reasons that my mom agreed to my desire to want to, you know, perform and do stuff when I was four years old mm -hmm was that I always needed to be busy. I was out thinking everyone around me. I was, you know, kids my age, I just like, they, I didn't really see, they weren't thinking, yeah. they didn't move fast enough mm -hmm. for me. I needed a fast moving, stimulating world. And that, you know, I honestly think I did much better growing up in the world that I did and was very fortunate that the, the cast and crew that I grew up with I mean, it was, it was like an idyllic experience. It sounds like it matched your energy. It sounds like it, it, did, it lined for up. For sure. For sure. And then that, and I found fulfillment in that. So I think the only thing was, is that once that ended at a young age, I didn't know what fulfilled me otherwise. Mm. And that was, I think when I started, you know, and I was dealing with a lot of stuff around my adoption and a lot of, you know, finding out who I was and mm. you know, all these kinds of self-searching things that you do at 12, 13, 14, right. anyway. Right. And then you add into that the thing that has been fulfilling you. It's like, you know, someone who's grown up playing sports and their plan is to, you know, go pro or whatever, or they've gone and now all of a sudden they're not. Right. Like that, that drive and that fulfilling thing really was missing. And it has been like we were talking about earlier. One of the things that I do to myself is attach my self-worth to what I'm producing, yes. what I'm, what's, what, what is being tangibly done mm -hmm. instead of remembering that my my worth exists as I sit still yes regardless my worth does not change it's inherent so it's I am does not again that's how that is an Oprah moment that's what we all need to hear right now yes. it's a Jody moment yeah. your worth <laughs> is in you sitting still yeah yeah your worth your worth is immutable yes. it does not change it does not alter based on what you have who you are what you're producing, mm -hmm. what your job is. None of that is inherent in your self-worth. Yep. It might add to it, but it cannot It cannot take away from that inherent self-worth of your human experience. Right. And, and, and I have to remember just sitting and having that human experience is my purpose. That is my purpose. Yeah. And not knowing that is the source of so much anxiety and depression. Yes, for you sure. You yeah. like, oh, I'm this and I'm not doing this, then you, there's right. no other way out of that but, uh, except anxiety and depression. Right. And I, you know, I'll be honest. I mean, it's not, this is, I am in no way practicing this perfectly in all my affairs, yeah. but I am practicing it yeah. in all my affairs as it talks about in sobriety. And, you know, I am, I'm doing my best. I'm doing my, I'm just trying to do my best at all times. And some days my best is curling up in my blanket of isolation and, you know, watching PBS documentaries mm. and playing solitaire on my phone. And that's mm. like as good as it's going to get for that day. Yep. And really trying to untangle that shame um, and, and self-condemnation for, uh, you know, a quote unquote wasted day. Mm -hmm. um, I've had to get very comfortable with the idea that, you know, a day is not wasted just because you sat there 
Yeah. It's not wasted. It still happened. It's still your day. It's mm-hmm. still, you know, it was, they were moments in your life. I think, you know, we put this thing on ourselves and this, this whole idea of like work to death culture, like I grind, I fucking hustle. I, you're like, that's great, but you're probably dying inside. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I don't want that. Like, I don't yeah. want to be hustling in this. And, you know, I get up before everybody else do this, do yeah. that. And then be having a fucking mental breakdown on the yeah. inside. Like, uh, for me and some people that's their fulfillment cool, right. whatever but I think we often push that narrative onto people that don't feel that way so it's an easy setup to be like oh well you're not yep. doing that well you must be lazy yeah. you ain't gonna get right. shit you're not gonna get your dreams you're not you know and it becomes this competitive like look how much I'm not sleeping look how much I'm running around look how much I'm traveling and it's like yeah. bro sometimes just got to sit with ourselves. You know, Chill that the is where out. the deep moments happen is yeah. when you have to sit in your own skin and be like, I don't know what's going on right now. And I'm angry and I'm scared and I'm this. And I, and then yes, you write it down, you break it down. And, and that's you, what this, whole, that's what it. this whole pandemic has done for all of us, whether we've realized it or not, it has forced us to sit the fuck down, to chill the fuck out, stop glorifying busy and actually get internal and get to know that your worth, your value has always been a birthright. You don't have to hustle for that. You don't have to work for a seat at the table. It's automatically there for you. And and social media is the opposite of that. Yes. Social media is always about, this is my selfie at the Taj Mahal. This is the (laughs) camera do I mean. And I don't, on my social media, I've always made it really important to, I post most of my pictures. I'm not wearing makeup. I don't yeah. use filters. Yeah. I don't use, you know, some Facetune shit or whatever. I'm like, oh, look, there's a giant zit on my chin. <laughs> We've all had giant zits on our chin and people like comment on it. I'm like, great. <laughs> Thanks for acknowledging it. Like, here, do you want a closer picture? I'll take one for you. Like, I don't- Alec, not you know, that, that there's anything wrong with filters, by the way, Alec. What no, 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 <laughs> no. There's, and that's the thing is there's nothing wrong with that, but I choose to really- be particularly I think in the female space to to represent yes authenticity this is, this is authenticity this is what I look like yeah, um you know I'm a, a huge raging feminist and and yeah. so I think it's really important that women see um women strong in an authentic space powerful women yes. and and that I don't have to like look perfect while I'm doing it you know exactly. I'll be out in the streets protesting and getting actions done and speaking and doing things and I'm you know sweating my ass off I look like hell yep. yeah. but that doesn't matter to me yeah. you know and I I mean my social media is a hotbed of crazy so um yeah, yeah I, your your whole canceled and thing. i mean i i think i lost around a hundred thousand followers i because, bet because oh, there was wow. a really because of audience my that show well yeah and my support of you know black lives matter yeah and I, you know I'm wait jody do you very, get, do you get triggered at all even when you know you that your that your intention is super solid and aligned with what's important to you and what you believe to be love um mm-hmm. does it still trigger you at all when when you get canceled or when people are dropping you Oh, I mean, I tell people to go fuck themselves all the time. I have no yes. problem doing that. No, but do you, you know, also get triggered by it? Do you do you have real feelings about it? No. You know, yeah. honestly, I, 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 in the moment, I probably get like heated and angry. Yeah. But it's more so that like people come onto my page yeah. and I've had, I've explained this to people before, like you, you came to my page. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And you said something about me. Yeah. So I'm going to say something back. Right. And be like, oh, you're fighting on the internet. I'm like, no, no, no. Here's what it's like. It'd be like if I invited you into the house and you came in and you just started yelling at me. Uh-huh. Yeah. I would have every reason to tell you, get the fuck out of my yeah. house. <laughs> I said, but if I went out to the sidewalk and started or, or went to someone else's house yeah. and and knocked and was invited and started yelling at them, then that's on me. I said, I don't, I never go to other people's pages and leave yeah, comments. Yeah. I don't start it. I don't, you know, I said, but if you want to come at me, I'll do it. Yeah. But you, you know, know what? And okay, I know it's not I, healbe- I know it's probably no, not the best that's, way to be. Yeah, but at the not, same time, I'm like, not I don't unhealthy. No, but you're, I, and I think that that's good for you for being able to, to stay strong because it's really easy, I think, to be intimidated or to be bullied to kind of just going along with what other personally. people want you to. But oh, yeah, I do I think, well, hold on, but I do think that it, I think it's important. Well, I'll just, I'll just say for myself, because when this happens to me, I think I've probably been canceled maybe three times, I'll say. And every time it happens, I am very clear 
about why I do all the things I do, whatever message I put out there, whatever I stand for, I'm very clear on that. I'm also really aware of how people might interpret it or misunderstand what I'm trying to say mm -hmm. and why they have the feelings that they do. And, but so I can really stay strong in what I'm pumping out there, but it still fucking hurts my feelings. It really does. Even though I know it's not, about, oh. I know it's not personal yet. Mm. I also still have my emotional response, my triggers to it. And the reason why I think that's important to mention is because I think we oftentimes get it confused that what I think and what I feel have to align. And there's a lot of times right. I know that my intentions were pure and from love and was about to be something positive. But also I get very upset by the fact that people aren't seeing that. I get upset by the uh, fact that people are calling out something and then I start questioning like, wait, wait, was that wrong or am I not well, good? That's something that actually happens a lot in the in the activism space, and it's something that talk that is talked about a lot in the anti-racism space. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, because because you it know, involves often shame. We, it involves well, shame it involves to shame talk and, about. But you it can't involves, have to talk about race without shame. Yeah. Right, and it involves, but it involves you know, as far as like when you become defensive on stuff. Yes. Um, you know, particularly in situations where it's it's race related, I try and you know and stop and see like okay is and and check it and once I check it yeah like I don't feel bad about it and but I do okay. know you know I I was very aware one of the first um, really political posts that I put up um, and you know I was doing Fuller House at the time and I did you know I kept things very family friendly mm -hmm. I did not want to while I was on Fuller House yeah have controversy or anything, you right. know, but it, but I, every Friday to Fuller House, I had a, you know, it, it, everybody uh, looked forward to what political statement t-shirt I was going to wear. Like that <laughs> oh. was the Friday tradition yeah. <laughs> was whatever I had on. And that would start my political discussions. And I talked to all of our crew and this, like, I was very involved. Yeah. But the first post I put up was, had to do with um, sexual assault and the Christine Blasey Ford uh -huh. um, Thing. And I wrote a long thing about it mm. and um, about my experiences with sexual assault and, um, you know, speaking out and all of this kind of stuff. And it was the first one that I did where I knew there would be a before and an after when I posted that. Oh, because I, I talked about my political feelings or whatever. And I and and I knew there would be. A reaction and it was that moment and you know and since then i've become very very outspoken there's you know i ever now i post things and i go oh this is going to be a shitstorm but uh <laughs> you know i i've realized and i've really detached myself from the hurt and the anger yeah you know people come at me and they're like oh you wanted to go back and do a bunch of drugs and blah 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 i'm like and so I just come back and I go, oh, my God, that's the worst insult I've heard. You must have thought about that for such a long time. <laughs> I said, next time you want to come at somebody and insult them, why don't you do yeah. it about something that they didn't write a book and make money? Yeah, on? seriously. There you go. And that's it. And I comment that. <laughs> Jody, Jody, question for you. So how, like the th a thing that I've been seeing a lot and one and something I've been trying to practice, too, is this idea of grow thick skin, but keep a soft heart. So how yes. do you find that balance where you're able to have a thick skin and still stand up for what you believe in, yet also still stay emotionally, you know, there? Right. You know, I've always been, I'm I'm not a super emotional person. Mm -hmm. uh, like I don't, I, I, I'm not, which is interesting as an actor, because I feel like in, as an actor, when I connect with someone in a scene or I do something, like I, I'm there. Right. Um, but in my life, I'm not, like I don't tend to take things personally. I never really have. Um, but my thing has always been, you know, do, do no harm, but take no shit. Yes. Mm. So, you know, I will be out there and I like, I, I, I will fight for what I believe in, but if you want to come at me and say some things, I'm not going to Dalai Lama this, yeah. you know I mean? I'm not going to be perfect. Like, and I, I fight for myself. Yeah. I think that's and about I think having that's, a healthy boundary. And then yeah. that's what it's become. And honestly, in the postings that I've done, how how much I've spoken out on social media and all this kind of stuff, it has been a huge revelation and moment of growth for me. And I have found a strength in myself yeah. because I've I've really fully understood and realized just how much certain things are important to me mm. and just how much I just don't care about the, the noise and the resistance. Yeah. Like it's just, it's that important to me. I go, cool, 
I don't, I'm, I'm not going to stop. Yeah. You know, people yeah. stop talking. I go stop commenting on my page. <laughs> you know, you know, bye. Get out of my house. <laughs> we usually end the show with a hot message, but I feel like your entire, this entire show has been a hot message. Yeah, it really like, has. It has. I, like, Great. I can't wait to listen back to this because you've <laughs> yeah. blown my mind several times yeah, so good. during this. Thank it's you. so wonderful. If you, it, well, usually we direct our hot message is if you heard about somebody who is being triggered by the pandemic and is stressed mm-hmm. out about it and is, because we still have a long road ahead of us. Yes, we do. Going to end anytime soon. What would be your hot message to them, having been what through what you've been through? Mm, um, to stay as present as possible. I think the thing that the pandemic has done has made us worry about the future so much. I mean, and that's an understandable thing. But be present. Look at your feet. Where are you? Stand grounded in that moment and and know that you exist and that you will continue to exist despite whatever the universe might throw at you you will continue and you and you can do this thank you where can we find you on socials um you can find me on social uh at jody sweeten on instagram uh and twitter um at official jody sweeten on facebook also, if you want to follow at Never Thought I'd Say This, which is my podcast uh-huh. with my wonderful friend Celia Behar, where we discuss all of our parenting fails and traumas. Uh, yeah, of course, <laughs> I'm going to be on that podcast. I honest way. And yes, Alec is going to be on it. And um, yeah, so if you want to find me on there, awesome. Um, yeah. Love Be you, nice Jody. Comments. Can't wait to see you, <laughs> I love you. after this is Thank over. You, I'm going to send you tons Bye. of porn. Bye. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs>"Matthew, I loved it. What a great show. What's your hot message? God, I don't know. There were so many things. I know. I I guess I would just say um, that it's okay to know you're doing the best, even when it feels like you're not. Right. And and those two things can coexist. Right. I think it's um, what she said. uh, uh, Well, the thing that stood out to me in... Uh, I'm going to take away my, one of the big takeaways for today is don't worry about what if worry about what is. Yeah. I love that one. That's great. And that's all about being present. Yep. Where can people find you? Uh, <laughs> boy. <laughs> I was thinking about you in the towel. I know you boy. do. I know. I love that reference. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at MJ Dempsey psych, Matthew J Dempsey psychotherapy on Facebook. And that's where I'll be. You can find me at Alec Mappa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find us both at the Hot Mess Pod yep. on Twitter and Instagram. DM us every five minutes. We want to hear from you, yes. what you're going through, what you like about the show, what you love about the show. And uh, tune in next week. We'll have more Hot Mess fun. Goodbye. Don't forget Bye, to download and subscribe. <laughs> this podcast has been produced by Stage 29 Productions for entertainment purposes only. Contents of this podcast does not constitute medical or professional advice, do not reflect the opinions of this company, any of its parent companies, affiliates, subsidiaries, promotional sponsors, or advertising agencies. The views expressed by the hosts and guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. For more information, please go to stage29.tv.